Hey teachers, if you're tired of not knowing how to create your lessons that reach EL newcomers in your classroom in a way that your content is actually accessible to them, and you no longer want to be limited by the constant push to move your ELs forward without concrete understanding behind why simple accommodations in your already existing lessons make all the difference for the newcomers, I have something exciting to share with you. I have compiled every masterclass I have ever recorded on how to teach and reach English learners in a regular education classroom. I am talking strategies, how-tos, and ready-made resources, and have created a digital masterclass library called Light the Way to EL Teaching Success, where you can get instant access to 10 practical and actionable videos eight done-for-you lessons, and one professional development certificate for three hours of your time. If you are looking for practical PD that you can do on your own time and gain all the knowledge you need about teaching English learners from the comfort of your home, Light the Way to Yale Teaching Success Digital Masterclass Library is for you. To learn more and to join, click the link in the show notes, and I cannot wait to see you inside. You're listening to episode 102 of the ESL Teaching Podcast. Testing season is upon us and with it changed schedules, test practice and new questions about how we can help our students, especially ELs, navigate this time of quite a bit of stress. Any test, whether it's a check-in quiz, a unit test, or a serious state assessment, can be a challenge to an English learner, especially one that is at a newcomer, beginner, or low-intermediate proficiency level. So how do we help those students who bring with them so much knowledge, yet frequently do not have an equitable way to demonstrate it? In today's episode, you'll hear why assessments can be difficult for ELs and what teachers can do to help them prepare for any test. Are you ready? Let's get to the episode. Hello and welcome to the ESL Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Yeva Grossless, otherwise known as Simply Yeva, and I am so thankful that you tuned in. I'm looking forward to sharing both my knowledge and experience on this podcast, as well as that of my fellow teachers. Hello, hello, everyone. So the other day, one of my students said to me, Mrs. G, I am stressed about this test you're going to give us. And we were talking about the access for ELL's testing. So I paused and acknowledged that what he was feeling and telling me was really valid. And then I offered a reframe, which quite frankly, and please don't laugh at me, came in the moment and was based on Juliet's monologue when she found out that Romeo comes from the Montague family. Given the fact that I had been helping my ninth graders with Romeo and Juliet for quite a while, it is only natural that this example came to my mind. But the essence goes like this. What's in a name? Would a rose smell any different if it had any other name? And would I like Romeo any less or more if he had a different name? So on that note, I said, well, let's think about it. Test is just a word. When we say test, we somehow get stressed. But what if we called it any other name? One that doesn't have an association with stress. For example, a bunny. 
He laughed and tried it on. We are going to start taking a listening bunny next week and then reading and speaking and writing bunnies. It was funny. And uh, quite honestly, when he came into the classroom and saw a phrase written, uh, happy access testing uh, the next day, he says, why didn't you write happy bunnying? While comic relief is a great way to diffuse any negative energy that might be aroused by the association of a test with the need to perform and a myriad of other feelings like feeling inadequate, unsure, and plain uninterested, there are more practical ways that teachers can help their English learners prepare for assessments. And these are the ones I will be talking about in this particular podcast episode. So let's get right to it. The first thing that we need to know is why assessments can be difficult for English learners. Assessments in English can be difficult for ELs for a number of reasons. Aside from the most obvious one, that the students are in the process of learning English, both academic and social, here are a few others. Formal assessments are typically timed, which causes difficulty for many ELs as they need more time to process the information. Whenever there is a unit assessment, it consists of a variety of questions and requires more complex test-taking abilities. Depending on the student's language proficiency, the results might really not be accurate. For example, if a student performs poorly on the test, let's consider, is it because of the lack of content knowledge or difficulty with understanding the language of the test, the questions, and the tasks? The next one is this. Multiple choice tests uh, pose a variety of challenges, such as, aside from the fact that for some students, multiple choice test is not a natural way to be assessed and they need some instruction in how to take it, these types of tests also include nuances of language and responses that can be very confusing to English learners. For example, two responses that sound very similar but in fact are not or when you're asking the student to answer if the response is both A and B. Some multiple choice questions, and they are my least favorite ones, ask the students to choose the wrong answer, or as in which one of these is not the answer. For an English learner, this requires a certain ability to manipulate the language to be able to understand it and to respond to it. And of course, vocabulary. Sometimes the answers include synonyms or definitions or explanations, which if a student doesn't know uh, a word or a phrase or a concept in the first place, this doesn't always help. Some assessments include responses that require demonstrating language skills, for example, varied sentence structure or using descriptive vocabulary. Again, depending on the student's language proficiency, these types of tests require more time to retrieve the information, figure out the structure and the language to be used, and the lower the proficiency level, the more supports the students would need. And finally, standardized tests are designed mostly for monolingual students and not those who are learning English and therefore likely will not provide accurate results. Now, why is it important to understand the needs of your EL students? Now, in, and what does it have to do with assessment, you might ask? But my answer is this, it has to do everything with assessment. 
As I already mentioned, not all ELs are the same language-wise. I talk a lot about language acquisition process and language proficiency levels in my other podcast episodes, emails, and when I work with schools. And for example, a newcomer beginner level EL needs a much different approach in how you present your content to them than someone who is a little bit more advanced. That is the choice of information you provide, the wording of it, the activities to check for understanding, ideally should be much more scaffolded for lower proficiency level students with the scaffolds gradually removed for those who are growing and are at an intermediate and approaching level of English proficiency. In addition, don't be fooled by thinking that some of your students have no accent and that their English is fine, quote-unquote. These are the more experienced multilinguals and they need an even more different approach to receiving your content. So when you understand the needs of your students, when you know where they are at, you will be able to adjust your instruction and therefore to help them prepare for any test better, whether it's your unit test, it's a standardized test, or it's a language proficiency test. Which brings me to some strategies. What are the strategies that you can use to help move your students forward in learning both your content and language, and as a result, be prepared for your or state assessments? So here are uh, three major things that I want to talk about. First, first of them is think about how you're presenting your information. Going back to the proficiency levels of your students, there are a lot more scaffolds that are necessary for beginners to access your content. Think about using more visuals, any kind of visuals that demonstrate your concepts. Think about shorter, more meaningful sentences and think about lots more repetition in a variety of ways. You can say it one way, you can say it and show it, you can repeat it, you can uh, even, especially for those who are at the very, very beginning level, you can even translate it if it's something that is extremely important. For higher proficiency levels, the shorter sentences scaffold can be removed, but checking for understanding, helping the students use the new vocabulary they learned in class, as well as providing visuals is always a good idea. The second one is this, focus on building academic vocabulary. Many ELs are working to make meaning of everyday language, so any help with the academic tier two vocabulary is extremely helpful for them. Think about the words that go across the curriculum and that will be used in directions on a test. For example, estimate, analyze, summarize, evidence, prove, and so on. Look at it, uh, work with it, get some examples, and check in with the students to see if they know what the testing is asking. The third strategy is this. Help students learn how to deconstruct the sentences and strategies on how they can access the text, even when they're not entirely sure about what all the words mean. There are a couple of ways to do it. So uh, instead of long statements, you can ask a series of questions. So here's an example from science, and I'm also going to give an example from humanities. 
So the science example goes as follows. When analyzing the results of the experiment, it is important to write about what happened with respect to the original hypothesis as well as the trends in the data. It is a long sentence with lots of information, but let's think about what do we need to do to make it more accessible for our English learners. What if we could break it down? So first of all, the students need to be familiar with the key words that go into this direction or instruction. Words like hypothesis, if they are taking your science class, let's hope that they already understand that, but with English learners, Checking in is always a good idea. Experiment, data, collect, trends. These are all of the words that need to be revisited before even starting to break it down. Now, once you are clear and the students are clear or what the words mean, then you can break it down in the following way. Analyze the results of the experiment, what happened, how does it support the hypothesis? What do you see in the data collected? And again, try to work with the students in groups or individually and see if they can deconstruct the instructions so that they are able to understand what they are supposed to do. Here's another example. It is a very open-ended assignment to write, write a creative paragraph. So this is an assessment for a class uh, unit assessment on a standardized test. It would be a little bit more controlled and uh, maybe more timed. But just to hear the original instructions and um, how we can go about helping our students. So the short general instructions the goal is to, of this paragraph is to reflect on the role of public entertainment in ancient Rome. You have to imagine you're one of the characters there, a gladiator, a spectator, and write an account from that point of view. There are also some background provided, such as date and place of the overall historical context. Now, I bet your brain has started working to try and come up with your role, whether you are going to be a gladiator, a spectator, an emperor, or something like that, and what you would do. Now, what if I asked you to write this in Spanish or French or Lithuanian? It would be a little bit more challenging, I bet. Again, it is very open-ended and it requires a lot of information to be retrieved from your brain. And I know a lot of my students start uh, struggle with starting the sentences and starting with collecting their ideas. So in order to ease into our writing process with all proficiency levels, once we wade through understanding the task and the key vocabulary, Again, you know, paraphrasing the assignment into short statements and questions, I ask them what would be the first step. We all do this orally. So whenever the students have to take a certain assessment, right, they can then have the strategy of deconstructing the assignment, deconstructing the instructions, and then start asking themselves questions. So the first step would be choosing a role. And at this point, when they already learned the different roles, let's say gladiator or emperor, and when they're familiar with the vocabulary, uh, because we encountered it in context numerous times, we can come up with a questions that can help them all begin. For example, what does the Colosseum look like inside? So we might pull up an image and brainstorm some words to use. What were the gladiators like? Again, same. 
looking at the pictures, uh, looking at the weapons they had, what they were wearing, what actually happened in the event, uh, what was the atmosphere, and where's the emperor, what is he doing, and so on and so on and so on. So this short assignment, which is pretty wordy, especially for an English learner, could be broken down into smaller chunks so that the students are then able to come up with short sentences or longer sentences if they are have more English under the belt and then go about writing a paragraph or several sentences. Now, the whole point of all these strategies is to, of course, prepare students for the test, but to also empower them to see how much they have already learned and how much they can do with the language. As always, our expectations have to be reasonable, keeping student proficiency in mind and moving them to the next level. And that is all for today. I know I shared a lot of information, so here's a little recap. We went over several reasons why assessments, whether classroom or state, are challenging for many English learners. We talked about why it is important to understand the needs of your EL students and provide instruction that matches where they're at. And finally, I shared some strategies that you can employ when getting ready for any of your assessments. As always, any questions or takeaways from this episode, send me a message on Instagram or shoot me an email. I'm always happy to hear from you. Thank you for listening and until next time. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you loved what you heard today, be sure to do two things. First, make sure to subscribe to the ESL Teaching Podcast so you don't miss an episode. And second, leave a positive review wherever you listen, on iTunes, Spotify, or any other platform. Positive reviews will improve the chances of this podcast to be discovered in the feed and help our fellow ESL ELL teachers. And of course, there's a third thing. If you aren't following me on social media yet, come join me on Instagram at SimplyYevaESL, Facebook, SimplyYeva, or connect with me on my website, SimplyYeva.com. Thanks again, and until next time.